Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM. There you can browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a free title, and get started listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM and get started now. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Perpetually Correct, presented by Sensibly Loud Media. I am your host, J-Mac, and I am here with JB and Kyle Beats. What's going on, fellas? J-Mac, we're back in the booth. Another week is behind us. Another successful week, I guess, hopefully for all of our listeners at the window. Um, Kyle, how are you feeling after last week? Man, I am feeling absolutely terrific. I think that uh, I wanted to brag on us a little bit. I think it brings us to seven and one on our uh, our best bets, confidence picks. We've been, you know, throwing some extra ones out there. A few have worked out. I think we're sitting somewhere around eleven and four total. But uh, been enjoying these weekends, man. Not only uh, not only cashing tickets, but watching some good football. Uh, last Saturday actually ended up better than we expected. It did. We- yeah, I'd say so. You kind of get that when you get the non-ranked matchups. It's those. It's those teams who know they're probably on the edge of bowl relevancy. And yep. I, I would imagine the coaches put a sense of urgency when you know you got to face maybe Bama and Georgia and LSU coming up. You're like, hey, guys, if we don't get to four wins here, it's going to be a, an <laughs> uphill battle. Let's yep. know. Yeah, I mean, one of them was, um, uh, man, I'm dropping the ball. The Pittsburgh-Penn State game, uh, Pitt, 17-point dog. I mean, had the ball down a touchdown at the one and, kicked a field goal from the one to miss it. I mean, I was watching <laughs> that game. It was driving me nuts. And the coach's comment after the game was, well, we had to score twice to win, so why not kick a field goal from what? the one? What an idiot. Who, who does he think he is? Cliff Kingsbury? What the hell, man? What, what's going on here? It's also not how math works. <laughs> right. She could also go for two. Yeah, exactly. You, you you can score more than them by scoring. I mean, and look, and this is my frustration now and watching the NFL in college so far, and I'm curious, this is a total minute thing, but I, I tagged J-Mac in it on Twitter. Since I think the past 10 years, a quarterback sneak from one yard line or less is converted like over 70% of the time, while a handoff to a running back or fullback is only converted like at 55%. And I feel like I'm seeing less and less quarterbacks do that. And I get it. Sure, maybe you have a smaller guy like maybe Kyler Murray who maybe doesn't make sense running straight ahead. But, I mean, like someone like Dak and, you yeah. know, the Lacko who's got length, you don't have to. I mean, you're just falling forward. Right. I, and I feel like I'm seeing that less and less in that pit game specifically. They did two play actions and then a shotgun option read. Why why are you doing it? Do you guys have any feelings on this? Because, man, growing up, it was fourth and one. You're like, hey, we're getting under center. Everyone just shove forward. You know, do whatever you got to do to get that yard. And I feel like we don't see that anymore. Maybe the game's changing. I agree with that. I think it's a strategy thing. Yeah, it's definitely changing. It, It is annoying because, I mean, there are times when that just needs to happen. But I feel like with the the advent of the the true spread and just trying to 
always take. I mean, like I was watching the Cowboys game this past week. To your point, and I mean, Dak, I don't think took any balls under center that I remember. I not that I'm really familiar with. I mean, maybe one or two, but not many. Yeah, a few, but not not many. And yeah. that's really new as far as quarterbacks not going under center as much in the pros. Yeah. You know, everything that's always been, you know, about these schools like uh, these Big 12 teams is they run these spread offenses, these air raids, and it doesn't prepare guys for the league. But then we're seeing guys like Mahomes, Murray, Mayfield. The way the NFL is transitioning, it does actually prepare them for that, where this going under the center, two and three wide receiver sets, that used to be a big thing about – producing pro type of quarterbacks isn't necessarily a thing anymore. And just so you, just for the record, uh, the pit quarterback is six two two twenty five. The kid could have leaned forwards. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Anytime I'm curious, I'm going, man, something change in the NFL. What's going on? I'll watch a Patriot game because what they're doing, it, it doesn't suck. So, and right. I still see Tom Brady, if it's fourth or third and short, he'll rush his team to the line. It's on quick. And he usually gets like four or five dang yards because <laughs> yeah. he gets the defense. I mean, it's just thinking a little bit smarter. And, and that's why it's tough to me. You see these college kids and th they're so directed. It's almost like robots. They're looking for the, the grad assistant on the sideline with a neon hat on holding up a sign of a Seinfeld character. And they can't, <laughs> you know, they can't yeah. think for themselves. Hey, right. let me get with my center. Let's go on quick and just you beat that guy in front of you. We're going to get the first down. It, it, it is completely changing the game and I hate it. Is it going to be cyclical, though? Like, we talk about this in basketball yes. all the time, about how you know, you'll drift back and forth between stuff like this. Like, basketball right now is a big, you know, shoot three points type lead as opposed to the long, sexy jumper, which Kyle and I are both fans of. And so, like, will we cycle back to it, though, do you think? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, I think that – I don't know if we're going to see, like, Mike Allstott type of fullbacks or tight ends that only block like we saw in, you know, late 90s, early 2000s growing up watching football, but – I do think we're going to get back to, to a ground attack. My only fear or concern about that prediction is that I think less good athletes are going to start stop playing running back because, one, guys are going to play basketball over football more so anyways because of the concussion CTE scare. And then the way these pro running backs and really even college are treated, these guys are going to start playing slot. They're going to start playing safety and linebacker and, and not going to that position. That would be my only concern. Fair. I think where you could see the transition is – it's probably already starting from the standpoint of offense. It's going to become harder to pass. You can now challenge pass interference on throwing plays. They're calling any hit that's not just a push you down hit, you know, anything above, below the belt. I mean, it's getting to a point where it's so tough to defend the pass in a sense. And there's so many safety concerns that they're trying to discourage teams from passing. So I don't know what else they could do, but there's clearly a sentiment on the NFL that they are trying to discourage these type of hurry ups type of deal. So I, I'm not sure, but um, how long we'll stay in this spread type of offense, but it is more fun. It's uh, to me at least than watching, you know, halfback dive after halfback counter type yeah. of NFL type of uh, games. I mean, shoot, go look at Aikman stats during the Cowboys runs. I mean, he wasn't putting up gaudy numbers as a 22, as a, 23 attempts a game. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, right around or under 200 yards. I mean, that's just the way the NFL was. So to your point, Kyle, I think you'll see that transition athletes to the slot safety, other positions on the field, or just quite frankly, other sports with the safety concerns. So it'll be interesting to see if the NFL 100%. has to deal with that. 
Absolutely. But I do, I did enjoy, you know, staying in the college football realm and talking about some of the good games that surprised us on Saturday, that Iowa, Iowa state game was certainly not a spread you out athletes everywhere type of game. Granted, there was some wet weather concerns, but those are two, you know, smash mouth type of teams. I mean, Iowa state is as much as you can be for the big 12 kind of represents the brand of football in that neck of the woods of the country. And that was a great game. That was my favorite game on Saturday. I mean, your favorite game because it probably lasted all day, for goodness <laughs> sakes. I mean, for anyone who uh, listened to the podcast, uh, we didn't really touch too much into that, so we apologize for that. Uh, on the sense, what a great rivalry, though, for those two. You know, it's a small state. They had game day there, which is fantastic. And, and I'm a pretty big Matt Campbell fan. I think he's to do what he's doing at Iowa State really speaks to that. And it's clearly somewhere that people can recruit. You know, Fred Hoiberg had some great years they're specifically targeting juco transfers before he took his talents to the nba but um, and they recruit well in basketball too like it's just a program that's really yeah in it's, the right direction it's kind of shocking so uh, you know brock purdy uh true sophomore quarterback came, came onto the scene last year uh, kind of having a little bit of a sophomore slump i mean you certainly when teams got game tape on you you're making those adjustments they're they're sort of in that transition you know matt campbell brought in a lot of fix it early juco guys and now it's transitioning to the freshman that he's recruiting and he's putting them into the system. So I think it's a transition year for Iowa state more than not, but uh, Matt Campbell is definitely a head coach that I'd imagine. in the next couple of years, you'll see vying for a, a larger jobs that are out there. Agreed. Agreed. And before we transition to this week's slate, which was a lot more action packed as far as just ranked matchups uh, stuff we're looking forward to. How are you guys feeling about your your final four? I'm going to be honest. I feel really, really shaky, uh, obviously, about Michigan. U- Utah yeah. was my my go-out-on-a-win pick because I hate I hate Alabama and the Pac-12 is trash. Um, I think they can – they beat USC this week, though. They'll be in a good spot. But them only scoring 31 points on uh, – was it Idaho State, I believe it was? A little concerning. We talked about that, though, and they never cover in games like that when they're – Well, their really- offense just isn't that good is what it is. Their defense is – got some NFL players in the front seven. Yeah, for sure. I think the biggest thing you hit on here is Michigan. I, I think that's the biggest question mark we have. The Army thing came pretty close. I don't know what to think of that Army team other than the obvious that we've already talked about, but I think this week is a big spot for Michigan to really prove itself. The line seems to be moving. I think Jason said before we jumped on, it's like plus three and a half now. It's working and against them, yeah. It's definitely working against them. You almost have to wonder if that's going to be what lights everything up or is... I mean, this is kind of make or break to me. I mean, what what are your thoughts here, Jamie? Well, a couple things there specifically that you had mentioned, uh, Kyle. You know, Kyle Whittenham, the coach for Utah, was the coach at Idaho State a long time ago. So I'm not sure if there's maybe some mutual respect to not running up a score. Um, okay. But we'll, we'll certainly, uh, you know, dive a little deep here, even though we're not previewing this game. I, I think. I think Utah's going to handle USC with uh, Tyler Huntley. Those wheels is going to give USC some issues. Same reason I picked BYU last week for an upset over USC. Great pick. Uh, it was they they they, trub, they have trouble with mobile quarterbacks, and that's exactly what Utah has. So, uh, you know, my picks the Clemson, Bama. I don't think that's really changed. Uh, Ohio State, I think, has looked like a well-oiled machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to preview the the Michigan game, but that that's really the only challenge i see moving for them and lsu has been exactly what i thought i was very high on joe burrow coming into this season and now this bandwagon is overflowing it it was pretty much just me 
on this Joe Burrow bandwagon after last yep. year. That's true. Uh, I've tried to preach it to all you guys coming in. We've tried to make you money with it. If you didn't want to listen, that's fine. But now you're all on it. So um, it's unfortunate I left OU off. More than likely, I mean, we're going to probably see OU 13-0. and So yes. you're going to – it's just going to be a numbers game, and it's going to come down to – I really don't think these teams understand how important style points may be this year, whether that's running up scores or if you're down 14 in a game, getting that late touchdown to be like, hey, it was only a one-possession loss. I mean, that right. could be a deciding factor. So for teams like LSU, do kind of have a tough schedule. you got to start to think about that. So – I yeah, I like OU simply because I think LSU and OU are pretty dead even as as far as quality, but OU just has such an easier run. I will say I've watched Clemson in a couple of games now. Nothing I've seen from them looks particularly impressive. It feels like they're primed. I wouldn't say for an upset just because, I mean, their conference and everything, but I would say more like in the, the final four type situation, like a playoff thing. I, I don't know. Something about them feels not exactly right. I'm, I'm not sure what it is. I'll have to keep watching more tape on it. It's but. that they're playing really bad teams. And, they, it, it, you know, to a degree, everybody except for maybe, you know, a militant force like Alabama is going to play down to their competition a little bit. I mean, Georgia Tech got beat by Citadel, for God's sakes. True. I mean, you're going to look a little, little sluggish because you're not really trying. I think Clemson's still better than Alabama because of depth. Uh, Jason's, you know, chatted to us about some of the Alabama depth concerns, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So I, I still, I hear what you're saying, Justin, like they haven't been incredibly sexy. I still love Trevor Lawrence, even though he's making some riskier throws. I love that defense. I mean, and they're obviously a no brainer in that conference to get in. Yeah, yeah. That, that part's a no brainer. I'm with you there. I just, there's something about it that I feel like is off. Like you don't trust them to, to yeah. win it this year. Dude, like to be honest, like I didn't think they looked particularly great against AM. Like really and truly, they should have blown AM out of the water. Agreed. Agreed. And AM's defense is pretty good, but to yeah. hold them to 24 at home is, is solid. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like that. I mean, the line was right there. We gave it out. It was a good pick. But even so, something <laughs> just about barely. just barely, but it happened. But something yep. about it felt really off to me. It didn't feel like nearly as a sure thing as like Jason's talked about uh, LSU a lot and and all that stuff. I, I, I see the light on what you're talking about now. I'll give you that. That's for sure. So Clemson replaced four NFL starters across the defensive line. They're in no rush to put anything on film. The, the, everything we're saying, they know as well. Uh, Dabo knows that they're going to cakewalk to the college this the, football is this the, uh, the Belichick theory? Just don't put anything on tape for them to use against you? This is pretty much the Belichick theory. And you have the best quarterback in college football. You have a first, second round running back. And ETN needs to show more in the passing game. That's really yep. been the knock on him is – you, you know, moving to the next level in the NFL, if you're just a downhill runner, you're really useless to teams because if you go into the game, it's like watching Matt Patricia put in C.J. Anderson getting blown up for a one-yard loss. He can't catch the ball. What do you think else he's going to do? That's for that's for another day. But we're looking at a team that has more talent than anyone else in the country, and quite frankly, they don't need to do much more. And they shut down an A&M offense for the whole game and they have their backups in for that final drivers the aggies and then suddenly you see them shuffling back in starters as the game's winding down because they didn't want to give they knew about the cover they knew about you know holding them to three points so i have no concerns people can look at this but look at the plays they're running i think half their plays are option reads which it i mean what 
it just doesn't take a rocket science. But well, we'll move into some games this week. We're going to have plenty of time to break down Clemson and many of the other top teams. But a game Kyle's already mentioned, Michigan heads on the road versus Wisconsin. Uh, a three-and-a-half-point dog the Wolverines are with the total sitting at 43 that's been pushed down from an opening number of 47. You know, a quick note, Kyle, before we touch to you on this. This game, and I always take a screenshot of the game of the year lines that Vegas puts out because I always like to see how they change. And this throughout the summer was widely available, seven, seven and a half, Michigan as a favorite. So we have seen some dramatic line movement just through one month of a season. And I mean, Michigan's still undefeated. So where where is your concerns having this line push all the way back through Wisconsin as a three and a half point favorite? Well, first of all, if you're getting Wisconsin plus seven, you got to be feeling pretty damn good. And that's what you get for <laughs> yeah for going early. And, you know, we, we talk about it a lot on here is, you know, if you try to be patient and, and wait it out and use reason, that's great. But you're probably not going to get the line you could have got on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. That being said, I I like the under in this game still at that 43 number. I think this is going to be a defensive struggle, uh, as it usually is in these kind of uh, Big Ten matchups where you got a bunch of big old offensive linemen that are, you know, a lot of NFL players there, guys like to run the run the football. I want to see from Michigan in this game, what you talked to us about, Jason, was Shea Patterson getting in, into the shotgun. Because if they just try to run it down Wisconsin's throat, it's not going to go well. Wisconsin gave up 20 rush yards last game. Granted, much, much worse competition. But still, I mean, if you quadruple that production, it's 80 rush yards. You're not going to win the game. Shea Patterson's going to have to put this team on his back and use his athletes. Uh I, the line is probably right where it should be. When I first saw it, I thought Michigan was going to, I thought it was going to be like a pick them. And I was like, I'm taking plus three. If I can get plus three and a half, I'm taking it all day. Now that I'm looking at this though, I'm, I'm going to go the other way. Now I watched a little Wisconsin tape and I'm going to, I'm going to take Wisconsin to win this game and cover it at home. Wow. I still think, I mean, I, I talked about this a minute ago. I think this is a make or break type thing for Michigan here. And this is a big game for them. And we haven't seen a ton that's been that impressive out of Shea yet this year. Definitely not what we've seen in previous years with him. And, I mean, he's had his, his ups and downs last year and everything. But at the end of the day, like, I think we're still waiting to see him impress us. Yeah, a couple things on this game. And I'm pretty much going the complete opposite of Kyle. So take that for what it's worth. Um, Wisconsin hasn't played anyone with a pole. Central Michigan, <laughs> and I've faded them multiple times on this podcast already probably the worst offense in college football. So I could care less that Wisconsin sets them out. Uh, I don't think that they could probably score versus many power five schools anyway. Agreed. Um, this is a perception versus reality. I mean, Michigan struggled versus Army. So did OU last year. Michigan's had eight fumbles so far this year. That's just not sustainable from a standpoint of just pure numbers. It's not something that's going to continue. Um, Shea Patterson, uh, they released today that he's fully healed from an oblique injury that they didn't talk about. That's big. And, and really, it, you're right. It is big. And the reason it is, is from the standpoint of what you've seen Michigan do is just try to run it. They got away from the offense that they want to do with Shea, which is spread it around and let him throw it. And anyone who's had an oblique injury and trying to throw in a baseball or a football, you can understand why that's Terrible. tough. Yeah. Um, Michigan has struggled versus the run so far, but I think that's just due to the fact uh, you know, they have played teams like Army, uh, and now they're getting to play a real offense. They haven't really played a team with a traditional type of offense, so it's been hard to really judge what they, they are doing as a whole. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think the oblique injury with Shea is a big deal. 
I'm not impressed by Wisconsin's schedule. You should beat up on these teams. Wisconsin runs a type of offense where they're going to beat the teams that they're better than. And, you know, Harbaugh has had success versus Wisconsin in his yes. career. Four out of five, I think. Right. It's not it, – Wisconsin hasn't been the team that's given them trouble. And Wisconsin refuses to go to the most talented quarterback on the roster, one that's been recruited by Bama and Clemson and a number of other teams. So until they do that, I have no interest in backing Wisconsin. This is a number that's moved way too much. And honestly, the over to me really is intriguing because 43 is extremely low and it takes, you know, a defensive touchdown, you know, a quick turnover, something to really get that game moving. As long as you're at 20 by halftime and if a team takes more than a two possession lead, the game's going to really open up. Uh, I'm pretty interested in Michigan's team total because if you can get 19 and a half, so you're just asking for me to get Mm -hmm. 20 points. I'm very interested with a healthy Shea Patterson. They have far better athletes on the outside. Uh, if they choose to, they could throw all over the park with this Wisconsin secondary being very spotty, and they love to run man coverage versus Tariq Black. I'm just telling you that's not going to work out for them. So I, I'm very much all over Michigan. I am taking the three and a half as a gift. I think you can certainly sprinkle in some money line as well, you know, kind of plus 140, plus 150 where you look. Um, but this this is a very much overreaction. And to J-Mac's point, I think it's kind of a prove-it game for both teams. Yep. And I, I think we're going to be talking about this next week, being blown away with about a, let's say, 37-10 Michigan victory. Wow. Well, I hope you're right on that because that's going to bode very well for my pick. I will tell you what I think this comes down to, and this is why I'm – there's two things, and this is why I'm taking Wisconsin. And it doesn't have to do with home field, even though Wisconsin's got a pretty solid home field. It ain't the big house, but I still, I still like their odds there. Um, Jake Cohn, I agree, is probably not the most talented quarterback on the roster. It's going to come down to who has less turnovers but between him and Shea Patterson. The thing about – I agree with you. Like my, my concern on my Wisconsin pick is their receivers are not the athletes that the Michigan receivers are, and, and that's a big difference, right, as far as – they're not going to have – they're going to have to go on these nine-play, 80-yard drives, uh, 12-play, 70-yard drives. Like They're not going to have that big play, but – I don't trust Shea Patterson in this moment for some reason, and I think he's going to have more turnovers. So that I think obviously turnover battle is huge, but I think specifically with these two quarterbacks, it'll be uh, really big in this game. And I just don't trust Harbaugh to make the right decisions. I think he's going to run the eye formation and try to run the ball um, a lot more than he probably should. I, I don't see that happening, I think, with a healthy Shea. It, but you're right. I think that is going to be the key in this game. If we see Harbaugh come out, dedicated to that same type offense he ran at Stanford it could be uh could be their downfall Jay Mack are you signed with the Michigan Wolverines absolutely all over it take the points as a gift take the over if possible 43 is a gift as well that's the lowest under I've seen in quite some time I actually would go under that man Man, we're we're just we're just seeing it different but that's that that's what we do this for and I mean this is a fun game that's right absolutely well from two ranked teams to up north to two ranked teams down south. The Auburn Tigers hit the road for their first true test as they take on the AM Aggies down in College Station. AM's currently a three and a half point favorite with an over under of 47 and a half. Uh, Bo Nix hits the road. And, you know, quick tidbit uh, Bo Nix's dad was coached by Jimbo Fisher Let's um, go. in, in <laughs> college as his position coach. Wow. So you talk about these all being directly correlated, everyone knowing each other. Uh, you got to do a little bit of digging there, but uh, I'll start 
Start with you, J-Mac. I know you're a pretty big Aggies fan. What's been the sentiment down there? Are they ready to go this week? Where's Jimbo at? I think they're ready to go this week. I think they looked, I mean, Grand, they played Lamar last week, but I wasn't looking for how they played against Lamar specifically and more about just what they looked like as a team, cohesiveness, all that. They rested some guys. They had an opportunity to do that since they were playing the smaller school because they got beat all to hell in that Clemson game. And, I mean, they lost their running back for the year. So, you know, a lot of reps, a lot of different looks and things like that. I think the biggest X factor here is Kellen Mond. I think that's the biggest thing that we still don't know about. I don't know what that dude's upside is specifically or what his ceiling is, I should say, because there are spots where he looks incredible. And there are times where he just still makes mistakes that he shouldn't be making at this point in his college football career. And if you start seeing him throwing out to the, the edges and stuff like that, that's where you have to start worrying about his decision-making because when he starts looking to the edges, that's his go-to safe place, and he yep. doesn't see the rest of the field, and that's what concerns me for it. I think their defense holds up no problem here, though. Yeah, y'all have some great athletes out wide, so I do want to see him get the ball in their hands, but safe passes, and he's certainly made his fair share of, of ill-advised passes and, and dangerous passes, but this is one game. Obviously, I'm going to make a, make a call here. Uh, this is what we do this for, but Man, I'm not. I'm not betting on this game personally. Like, I do not. Yeah, I get this it. line is hard to me. Um, I, I have a lot of questions about both these teams. I love the Kyle Field uh, home field advantage. I've been in that stadium um, for an SEC game, and it is electric. Um, also, really hard to be there. It's not an M fan. It's terrible, <laughs> but it's an electric building, and yeah. I think that's going to play a part of it, part in it. Uh, I think the X factor. I, I mean, I agree, Kellen Mond, but I think it's going to be. AM's uh, front seven and specifically front four to uh, get a rush on uh, Auburn's quarterback because, you know, I watched Auburn play some uh, at Bonix. I watched him play some, you know, lower ranked teams, watched the Oregon game. And when he gets under pressure, he makes bad decisions. And if you can do that to a younger, a younger guy and you could do that or a younger starter, I should say, you know, while he's on the road, I think that'll prove to be the difference. So I'm going to go AM at home minus three and a half in this game. Not confidently, though. Yeah, it, it to game to your point, Colin. Electric atmosphere there. I, I mean, I think they've expanded that to nearly a hundred plus, and you're on yes. top of each other. That is, you know, I've I've been to a couple games, including an Alabama game there. Uh, electric, it, and it's going to be hot as heck. That stadium does not cool down easily, especially for the fans who are pretty drunk from the tailgate. And I believe SEC game day will be there as well, which will be cool. Tim Tebow. Uh, rolling out in the you know chugging waters with guys tailgating so um yeah I, I'm a big Bo Nix fan but I think there are some concerns obviously being a freshman he completed around 40 percent versus Oregon which is concerning in that offense which does do a lot of dump downs and screens so I think there there's a lot of potential there but I don't think he's necessarily at the point where he can step up versus an elite defense and, and A&M certainly has that and one of the players that AM does get back in the secondary is Renfro, who is suspended for the first couple games of the year for some off the field issues, which we won't get into on this podcast. Um, but he is a big get back for AM's defense for a team facing a team with a banged up wide receiver core, which Auburn has. So, um, two stats for you. You know, being an Aggie fan that you are, J Mac, do you remember too many Aggies upsets, you know, when they're a big dog? Probably not, right? No, not really. But known. in their last 16 games as a favorite versus a ranked opponent, they are 16 and 0 straight up and wow. 12 and 4 against the spread. So this is a, this is a team that again when they are favored, 
does have the ability, you know, to step up. I mean, that's what we've always seen out of the Aggies. They beat the teams that are supposed to, and they never really have the luster in them to beat the Alabamas or Clemson type. Uh, the only concern with the total, you know, being 47 and a half, very low for college football, just like the Wisconsin game. Um, Auburn does have one of the better punters in the nation. You know, if you've watched that Oregon game, that kid flipped the field many of times. And that is a little bit of a concern to me, to uh, both of your points. Kellen Mond is, you, you never know what you're going to get out of him. So if Auburn's able to flip the field position like they've done in other games and really set themselves up for success, um, I do get a little concerned if we're having Kellen Mond from the five-yard line trying to back out of his territory all night. So I think it's going to be big for a ms defense to certainly stay on top of them. If they get that early lead, this could be a runaway. So it, it's a game I'm certainly laying it with the Aggies, but I'd be looking for an alternative line as well uh, for some plus money because really? really I think, I think it's a game that they could seriously win by two to three scores if they get up early just because of that atmosphere, freshman quarterback. And if you're able to lean down on them with this defense and running, I just think that's where Kellen Mond uh, does excel is in the running game option, read and play action. So yep. if he's forced into those positions of uh, playing ahead, it's really a team that can play downhill nicely. Yep. Who do you give a better chance of winning between Wisconsin and Auburn? Um. Wisconsin, because you just you just picked double digit wins both ways, so I'm just curious. Yeah, I, I mean that's a great question. I guess you'd have to go with Wisconsin just because they are at home. Yep, it's a good atmosphere. Um, and again, I really think Wisconsin would have a great chance to win if, to your point, Jim Harbaugh comes out and says we're just lining up in the I formation and running it. I'm going to be banging my head against the wall, texting <laughs> you both, wanting to throw my phone and break everything because that's not the way that you can beat this Wisconsin team easily. So. No. Um, yeah, that, that could be a situation. But I think the Aggies right here, this is a good number. Real percent. I mean, what would this number be if they didn't hit that touchdown versus Oregon? Would it be seven? I mean, I would imagine so, right? You're probably definitely. looking at the Aggies minus six and a half, minus seven. Yeah, definitely. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, from two, two more um, uh, ranked opponents battling after a week of no one, we're heading to Athens, Georgia. Game day is going to be there, correct, guys? Yes, and I don't know why, but that I, is correct. I don't know why either. As Ian Book and the Notre Dame Irish head out to uh, play top ranked or top three ranked Georgia as a fourteen and a half point favorite, and over under sitting at fifty eight point five. We definitely talked about the show before we got on air, Kyle. I know you had a lot of thoughts. We'll start with you there. Yeah, so I'm ready for the millennials to take over. Who decides who goes to game day? Because we don't give Notre Dame this bullshit credit that these old people think that they deserve i do not understand it's why so notre true. dame is the eighth ranked team in the country uh they are outmanned and outclassed in every way shape and form starting at the head coach position kirby smart is a much better coach than brian kelly um they have you know the, the offensive and defensive line georgia has an advantage but where their huge advantage is is just at the skill position i mean just across the board um another another atmosphere that's going to be pretty electric you know notre dame has no chance in this game. Uh, what, what's the line there? 14 and a half, correct? Yep. yep. There's a lot to lay against a ranked opponent, but I'm doing it all day. Uh, I, I see Georgia winning this game uh, somewhere in the ballpark of about 38-13, 38-17, somewhere in there. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, this line opened at 10 and a half, moved to 14 and a half, wow. so betters bet the hell out of 
Georgia. But the interesting thing is, I'm looking right now, 53% of public money is on Notre Dame, which is kind of shocking to me. But that's a lot well, of points public on Public money's side. not always always right. No, for sure. But I just uh, there's a lot of people that are giving credence to plus 14.5, which is definitely, I mean, hey, we've done it, right? Like, we look at big spreads like but that, and a lot of times... That's we'll just wealthy it. Notre Dame donors just Probably. aimlessly throwing money away. Probably. That's building new casinos. Yeah. Jason, where, where's your head at in this game? Uh, yeah, we talked about it off air. You know, Georgia returns four starters on the O line. Notre Dame's line's going to really struggle here. They do have a nice pass rush, uh, but up the middle, uh, Georgia's going to be able to plow forward. I, I think the only chance that Notre Dame has is to sell out versus the run, try to force them into third down passing situations. They do have a pretty good pass defense, um, secondary specifically, but, you know, the Irish got gashed versus Louisville um, on the ground. And that, that's a team that's, that's a yeah, it's certainly on the up and up better than they were last year. But when you're looking Not at George. a top 10 team in the nation, um, if you can't stop Louisville and their O-line, you have no chance with Georgia. So I am not sold on this. Uh, this is just a bad matchup. I, I think if you're facing another top 10 team, you may be in a better situation. Uh, and certainly Notre Dame held their own last year to a degree versus Clemson. Uh, till some late interceptions by Ian Book. But, you know, I love Jake Fromm. I love what he does. I also like Ian Book. I think the game's going to come down to those two things of can they stop the early rushing on Georgia because Swift's going to have a huge game if not. And Ian Book, I mean, he's got the abilities more mobile than folks think. If he has the game of his life, this certainly could be close. But with Kirby, I just see a run-heavy game plan. They're going to control the clock, keep their defense on the sidelines, and kind of just frustrate Notre Dame so it, it's a game I'm staying away from the spread I do have some interest in the over under because I think Georgia is going to just bust runs left and right yes. and uh, you know their team total would be of interest probably in the 35 to 38 range with this line if Kirby wants to if he's keeping his starters in which I think he will I don't see a way that they don't throw up 40 plus on Notre Dame barring that Notre Dame's just getting shut out but it's really I, I just don't want to get involved in the spread because there a is lot. a slight scenario where a perfect game from Ian book could really keep them into it. And I'd rather yeah. just be cheering for points than sweating out a back door in the last, last minutes. Exactly. Agreed. Cause it could be 38, 17, which is an ass whooping for a ranked, uh, you know, number eight team to come in and get beat like that. And they score a last minute touchdown 38, 24, you get a bad beat by half a point. Yep. Uh, when I guess I say I'm laying that all day, it's like, that's my pick. I'm picking Georgia to win the game. I'm picking them to cover. I probably won't participate in this one as I will uh, with, with the Aggies. I do think this is an opportunity for my man Swift, my dark horse, my non-QB Heisman um, to, to really pick up a lot of yards. I mean, he's, he's got 31 carries on the year, which uh, they got the other kid, White. Uh, I think Zahir, Zamir White, uh, is taking some carries away from him. Uh, but, you know, they haven't been in a game where they really needed to give him a 20, 25-carry workload where he can get it here. Still averaging almost 10 yards a carry, that being said. So this is a big game for him. And it'll be fun to watch the quarterbacks that you alluded to. I think these are – two guys they'll probably go in different rounds if book even gets drafted i think they're two guys that'll get shots at the next level um i think Fromm will go a little bit higher uh but I, I i do like this matchup and it's something i'm talking i'm talking a lot of noise i will be tuned in for this game at kickoff Definitely. awesome well from the college set you guys know that we transition here into the nfl we had some news with mika fitzpatrick being traded kyle can you break down the details for us on what happened with mika to the steelers 
Yes. So, you know, headlined kind of as a traded for a first round, which is essentially what happened, but there are some, there are some little nitty gritty details in there. So it's uh, Minka Fitzpatrick with a uh, 2021 sixth round pick uh, and a 2020 or excuse me, a 2021 seventh round pick and a 2024th round pick goes over to the Steelers with Minka and Miami gets in return a first and a fifth for 2020 and a 2021 sixth round pick. So, you know, we're seeing Miami really do their best, uh, best, best version here of a tanking team like you would see in the NBA, but they're acquiring some pretty good picks along the way. I mean, Laramie Tunsil, they kind of, kind of cashed in with him. And if they're going to try to move, you know, there's rumors of Kenyon Drake possibly being moved. I think they're going to be in a pretty good position over the next couple of drafts. I agree with that. This this trade is really kind of confusing to me as far as what the hell the Steelers are doing. Because you're not in a win-now type no. of situation. Minka is a terrific player that they were playing a lot at corner and nickel, which I don't get because I think he plays just a free-range Ed Reed type of safety. And I feel like I can evaluate DBs pretty good, and I feel like that's really where Minka fits in. And he did everything in Alabama, but in the NBA, uh, excuse me, in the NFL, I think he fits in as just a center fielder. Well, he played 50% of his snaps in the slot with Miami. Um, so a lot of this trade, I think, isn't just obviously for this year moving forward. But when you look at the teams that Pittsburgh knows they have to go through, Patriots have Edelman or will always have a great slot. You face Kansas City that has Kelsey and Hill in the slots or running down the middle that he needs to guard. So this wasn't necessarily just a trade. Hey, it doesn't make a ton of sense this year. But, you know, the Steelers do have a lot of faith in Mason Rudolph. They did unload Joshua Dobbs. As they should. Yeah, the, the, it, and this is a kid where you're looking at, yeah, it sucks to lose Rottlesberger, but now you get to look at this kid and understand where you're at moving forward as a franchise. Do we have the guy, the heir apparent to, to Big Ben? And if not, great, we can move on. We have, you know, second-round pick next year. We can, we can take a look. So it's very similar to what the Cowboys did with Amari Cooper. Um Week one, the Steelers started a safety that was in the AAF. So this team had a need at Not safety. Yeah. Uh, Edmonds last week was horrendous, letting up touchdowns, 30-plus yard penalties. It was a huge need not only to get through this year but moving forward. So I, I think it was similar to the Cowboys where they knew, hey, we're going to take a safety in the first round next year anyway. Might as well get one that we know is proven. Dude, there's just no replacement for a guy that's you know 6'1", 6'2", but plays bigger because he has really long arms and he has great hips. Like that's the thing about Minka is he has such open hips and um, you can line him up against those lanky big tight ends, but you can also put him on speed slot guys and he can keep up with them because he's a four, four guy. Uh, I I love his versatility and I think it's a good play for the long term. It's just, you may not see it pay dividends this year, granted or given the situation they're in, but I think Rudolph with, the James Washington connection from OSU and the recent success we've seen from Big 12 quarterbacks is going to be a little bit better than people think. You guys sure are lending a lot of credence to where the Steelers are at right now as far as being better than they are. I mean, we're talking about it. OSU no, they're not going to be competitive this year with Ben out and then starting off 0-2 in that division. I'm just saying it does make sense long-term to bring in a player like Minka because he is, to me, could be potentially um, – he's not going to be a – an Earl Thomas type of player. He's going to be more like an Ed Reed or Eric Berry type of player. Sure. But in the slot. And it's even early for me to say this, but I think they're in way worse shape than people realize. I mean, James Conner can't do shit 
uh, running back when he's starting to realize that pretty quickly. And like they're they've got a lot of holes like that. They don't really have a great receiving core either. I mean, Juju's great, but I mean, if I mean, Moncrief is an issue. James Washington will be a nice third. third yeah, that's probably receiver. true. They always have a couple of those guys that he's kind of like the Martavius Bryant of that situation. Dude, they they got. I mean, we're talking Mike Wallace, Martavius Bryant, Juju, AB. Like, they've hit on a lot of receivers. They have. They definitely have historically, but I mean, it's not panning out for them. And I just, I think this is going to get worse. I really do. I'm really, really bearish on the Steelers. And I'm, I, I picked I'm pretty optimistic on them just because I, I trust the way their organizations ran. But I, I understand your train of thought there. Yeah. Well, for Amika Fitzpatrick to the Pittsburgh Steelers, his former team plays the Dallas Cowboys this weekend. And, uh, not a game we're going to break down, just kind of a fun segment here of, you know, Miami's probably going to be 20-plus dogs versus most teams on the road heading forward. So, you know, w- this is unprecedented territory, I'd say. These are college football-type lines. These are still professional football players. But, Kyle and J-Mac, are you in a situation where you're even looking to lay these? Because just from a pure number standpoint, um, you know, you kind of have to say when you look at games, you sometimes have to take the teams out of the equation and look at the numbers. And, and anytime you tell someone you're getting 21 and a half, you just say in the NFL, well, just give me the team with 21 and a half. Right. I don't care yeah. who they are. But wh- what is your thought moving forward with these big lines that we're seeing? Uh, not just versus the Dolphins, but the Jets as well. So, I mean, the, they're obviously embracing the team tank thing here, right? We don't really know how that's going to work in football because obviously it's a much bigger, you know, proposition versus like an nba team that carries 25 guys hard roster time. to turn around yeah so i, I def but i get where they're coming from i honestly don't think that the dolphins are going to be successful in a rebuild with this current owner i don't think he's patient enough for that he's shown that time and time again and when it comes to a 21 and a half point line take the teams out i don't care who they are i'm not touching it i'm the only way i would touch it is going the other way on it and spotting me 21 and a half points in the NFL because that's an absurd line. These guys are making millions of dollars to play football. Absolutely. I get why it is. I mean, my team just beat the living piss out of this team last week. But, like, (laughs) I mean, they shut them out completely. But I'm just saying that 21 and a half points in the NFL game, no matter what happens, it's just a lot of points, and I I don't think I would lay that ever. Okay. Uh, I'm going to have a lot of fun with this. I'm glad we're doing this segment. We're going to kind of do a would you lay it against the Dolphins until we see them as a favorite, which, ladies and gentlemen, we may never see. Maybe a one. Maybe there'll be a one possession against like a road Jets team or something like that. But what's they do really play. the Jets do play the Dolphins later this year. Guys. Yeah, so it's, we're in for a real, real wild ride. I'm riding the un- I'm pounding the under on that. But uh, what's really crazy is that New England's line. I, I use a domestic book. Uh, and New England, I'm having New England at 22 and a half on, on my book and Dallas at 21 and a half, which is crazy. That's not even the biggest line. That being said, J-Mac, I would take both of these. These aren't my best bets. These are my confidence picks, but I would lay 22 for New England. And I'm even more confident in the Dallas Cowboys winning this game by, I think this final is going to be somewhere in the ballpark of 38, 10, 41, 10, somewhere in there. Okay. I, I would consider doing it for fun, just for shits and giggles, but I, I mean, I wouldn't seriously rely on that. Kind of a, lot of, a lot of teaser uh, yeah. possibilities like, there. You guys know me. I won't bet against the Patriots ever. I just I can't bet against my own team, just like similarly you guys wouldn't bet against the Cowboys. But even so, I mean, I think you do make a good point. It's a lot of points, but I uh, I don't know. I was nervous about that last week with New England and Miami, and I'm going to stick with that logic because it's always done me well. Dude, you were so nervous about that, and I was like, you're absolutely wrong on this. I was happy to be wrong. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I mean, you know. Right, right. 
Yeah, it, it's a situation. I don't think there's a lot of value in betting the straight up spread. I, I would look for an adjusted line again. With the amount of options you have at sports books, you know, I, I would be more enticed to take maybe 14 and a half for Miami this week at a plus number because there's probably going to be a week or two this year. It's a snowball effect for these guys. I mean, they're going to go out there. They're going to compete. They want to put good film on tape. A lot of these guys are probably on one-year deals. They are bottom-of-the-barrel guys off waiver wires. They're looking for this year's team and next year. So you're not going to have a lot of guys who are just not going to put on an effort. But there's going to be a couple weeks this year where they're probably in one to two possession games. And I'd rather cash with plus money. I'd rather, you know, if they lose by 10, I'd rather have a better line than not. But I think to J Mac and Kyle's point, there's going to be plenty of weeks too, where they get blown out by 30 to 40 and you're not even close. So I would probably work both of those guys somewhere in on like a four team, 10 point teaser and just be trying to do way too much. But I like both of those teams. If I can get it at 13 and a half or less, I feel really good about that. Yeah, I agree. We'll keep track of it as they keep going. Well, from a team that's probably uh, won't sniff the playoffs uh, for many years to come to two teams that have quarterbacks that have won Super Bowls, the 0-2 Denver Broncos head on the road to the Green Bay Packers, an eight-point favorite out in Green Bay. This line a little bit surprising. J-Mac, were you shocked to see uh, Packers a full eight-point favorites at home this week? I don't think so because one, Joe Flacco stinks. And I just, I, I mean, it's the same song, different dance with, with the Broncos it's always a quarterback problem and I mean he didn't look like there's one thing that Joe Flacco has to do and that's just go in there and manage the game properly and he still can't manage to do that I mean even with this Bears situation they had last week where it came down to the wire 31 seconds left somehow the Bears got you know got within range to hit a 51 yard field goal I mean it just it's classic Broncos the defense is fine you're looking at a 43 over under right now I I mean I wouldn't put it past Aaron Rodgers to go in there and light him up, man. I really wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I'm really surprised by this line. I thought it would be like six and a half. I didn't think it would be over a touchdown. To see it at eight is, is, you know, to me, something that I'm staying away from, even though Denver's been really disappointing the first two weeks. They could have they could easily be one and one, though. If they don't give up some easy passes to Mitchell Trubisky at the end of last week, you know, they're, they're winning that game. So, well, that, there was a BS roughing the passer call that set that up. True. So, yes, that pass, but they didn't fa- – they were fine with where he caught it. It was the penalty that really – Correct, that, that Correct. really impacted the game. Um, I like the ballsy two-point uh, conversion uh, that Denver had. I think the defense is still really good. It's an offense that's struggling and coming into its zone and trying to find a rhythm with Joe. It's not a game I see Denver winning by any means, so I'm picking the Packers to win. I'm actually going to pick Denver to cover this, though. I think that this has a very uh, 24-14 or, uh, excuse me, 24-17 type of feel. Um, And you'll probably get backdoored on this hard where it's like 24-10 with a minute 10 left and Emmanuel Sanders bust the 60-yarder. Yeah, this is an interesting game and probably one from a spread I'm staying away. I don't know what the Broncos necessarily are with Vic Bangio. You know, looking at a couple beat writers on Twitter, been really mixed reviews from players in the locker room there he's got um, beat up a little bit he has and that's the tough part with his I mean he's an older coach he's been around the league he has an older style that doesn't resonate well with guys but you can get over it when you're winning when you're 0-2 that doesn't work when guys aren't fully bought in and you're losing games that goes really downhill quickly so 
I'm not saying that that has happened in Denver, but I need to see that it has it before I'm willing to put any real money on this team. Um, and Agreed. still, I know J-Max talked about it at Nauseam. Uh, Matt LaFleur and Rodgers are still arguing every game. So it's another situation where I'm not sure where they're at and because of turnovers, a couple big plays. I mean, the Packers didn't do anything outside of the first quarter versus the Vikings. Nope. And really, if Kirk Cousin was just competent, um, they – God dang it, I hate my pick so much. <laughs> right, they, they, they easily win that game. So it's just a tale of two teams who have had very different luck. I mean, the, the Packers lucked out, I thought, versus the Bears and the Vikings in their wins. The Broncos got just, you know, Monday Night Football versus the Raiders. That was weird. And I, I think Joe Flacco, to your point, is coming into his own. He loves throwing to tight ends, and him and Noah Faint haven't been on the same page, and he's an absolute beast to throw to. Uh, kid out of Iowa rookie so they took him I, high too yeah first round kid so I I don't I don't know enough about these teams to really say one way or the other right the number the number tells you take the touchdown uh, but yeah with when you get more than seven points in a total of 43 I mean just mathematically you're sitting there well shoot score 17 points and I'm probably going to be in range where right. I, I think your backdoor point but Packers defense much improved. I think that's going to be a big line here. So I, I, it's a, I think it's a good grading stick for both teams, but something I'm kind of staying away from. Last thing I want to say about that, my real issue with that line is if there's no pass interference. If Denver wins that game last week, this line's six, six and a half. Yeah, or Packers, I mean, one or the other. Yeah, so, one or the right. other. Day. Well, yep. from, uh, you know, Joe Flacco's former team, the Baltimore Ravens, head on the road to face the Kansas City Chiefs. Former MVP Pat Mahomes, a little banged up, but they remain six-and-a-half-point favorites at home to an over-under of 55 points. The electric Lamar Jackson, a gentleman that I was very high on on the preseason, the first week, been preaching his name. Hopefully you drafted him. Certainly been paying well for you. J-Mac, I know we're both excited to get kind of a gauge on these teams. Uh, where are you looking at this line, whether it's spread or over under? Yeah, I'm really excited about this game, mostly because this is the first really competitive game where both teams have looked fantastic through the first two weeks. Yep. And they're really going to test each other. And I think you're going to have, I mean, just simply take Harbaugh versus Andy Reid here and look at that and that should almost worry you but I still Andy Reid's fine in the regular season I, I we've got six and a half point favorites for Kansas City I like that line I I almost would think about though giving Baltimore plus the points simply because not because I think that they're going to win but just because I think it's going to be really close and I mean at 52 and a half as far as the over under this game that's probably going to go flying over this game's going to be a shootout yeah, I got 53 at my book, and I'm way over that. Are you, now, are you guys showing a touchdown? Because I have six and a half. Yeah, six and a half, Sorry, seven, depending where you look. Yeah, I like I, this. That's a big deal to me. I mean, I know you can buy your half point down, but you're giving up, you know, 10, 10 to 20 uh, on, on the juice there. So, yeah, yeah typically it's going to be the same juice. Just books adjust that for teaser, violent, yeah, you know, that's true. Wor worries. So, you know, you may see six and a half minus 20 or plus seven minus 10. So it's the same thing whether you're buying it or not. It's just for teaser liability, books usually adjust one way or the other. Right. Well, I think Justin, you know, my opinion here is Justin knows how high I am on Patrick Mahomes. I said he's the best player in the NFL, and I stand by that. That being said, I've been really impressed by Lamar Jackson. I picked up some shares in him. Um, I was feeling good, Jason. You made me even feel a little bit better about it. And he's been fantastic. That being said, 
at home yesterday, last week, Arizona was in that game. And, you know, that, that concerns me. I know the chiefs went down 10 early last week. We saw what happened. Mahomes goes for four touchdowns in a quarter. I mean, this guy's just a robot and a machine. I'm laying the points. I'm picking Kansas city big here. I like them by double digits. I do like, the over, though, because Kansas City's defense is an issue. I see this game going about uh, – I'll go I'll go 38-27. Okay. Yeah, I think it's an interesting game from a couple standpoints. You know, we talked about in the preseason, Kansas City did switch to the 4-3 defense. You know, their run defense was horrendous last year. Uh, we haven't really had a true test of seeing how that's going to be measured up, and we're going to see that this week. Uh, a little quick number for you, the Ravens – are running the ball on 71% of first and 10 plays. That's the highest in the NFL. Last year, the Seahawks were the highest at 64%. We know how often they run it on, on every down as it is. So I think it's- Unless you're playing the Patriots and it's for the Super Bowl. (laughs) Exactly. So I think this is going to be a great gauge for us to understand Kansas City's defense if there has been improvements made from what we saw last year because I'm not exactly sold that there has been. Um, I am a big Lamar Jackson fan. I don't know if this is going to be maybe a too big of a moment for this team, but uh, I'm not concerned about last week. It was a look ahead spot for them, obviously. Um, It's just going to be a good gauging stick. And Kyle, I'm right with you. I think the over is the way to look. Kansas City has no problem throwing up points, even with Tyreek Hill hurt, uh, Mahomes banged up. You know, it's a plug and play type of deal when you have the best quarterback in the NFL in probably a long time. Um, you know, you do want to monitor though, Damian Williams and LaShawn McCoy, they're both banged up. So I would be extremely interested in Baltimore. Both of those running backs are out because then you are looking at a rookie of Darwin Thompson stepping into the starting spot. And I think just knowing that you would kind of key in more on, uh, what Mahomes would be doing in the passing game. So I think Baltimore does present a lot of issues for uh, Kansas city defensively. They match up fine. But it's going to come down to is Kansas City improved on the run run stopping game because if they're not, this is going to be a close game. But either yeah. way, I think there's going to be a ton of speed all over this field. I think it definitely has the ability to be a game that gets way out of hand points wise, maybe not points spread wise. Sure, dude, you 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 hit the nail on the head though. You got a lot of athletes on the field out there. Now that I think about it, I mean, especially just look at the quarterback position and these guys that are athletes with arms. Uh, Lamar being, of course, you know, just next level. But, you know, if you're you're talking fantasy, Mark Andrews um, at the tight end position or even the flex, Mark Ingram, I think, are definite starts until proven otherwise, especially against this defense. If you got any shares of any Kansas City player, just throw it out there if he's if he's active because the recipe for success that we're seeing is Pat Mahomes is going to put dimes right on your numbers. And all you have to do is be able to be competent in route running. He can create you know, and get extra time and you can just kind of scramble and freestyle and he's going to hit you. And they just keep drafting guys that run four, three and four fours. And it's really smart because those guys just bust plays open. Like we saw last week. So I, you know, I really feel confident in Kansas city's ability to hang close to 40 here. Um, I'm going to take back the teaser idea with the Cowboys and Patriots and say the best teaser here is just to do a straight up six or six and a half, whatever you got to do to get it to minus half a point for Kansas city and then throw the, uh, throw the over under in there and just go, you know, over, over 47 Kansas city, essentially pick them something like that. I think that's a, a really good lock. Certainly a way to look well to a couple other AFC teams that are 
a little bit banged up and some question marks. The Houston Texans get a W last week, unconvincingly at home versus the Jaguars. And now head on the road to a team that lost to the lonely Detroit Lions and the Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers do open up as a three-point favorite with an over-under 47 and a half. Uh, kind of seems like a standard football line, minus three for the home team and around 47, 48 for the line. Yep. I got to be honest, I, I don't. I love the Chargers coming into the year, but with the injuries on the back end of um, their safeties and then also Hunter Henry in the offensive line, the way it's looked, Kyle, I don't know who to even look for in this game. It seems like a two teams that are really just haven't peaked and aren't close to it. Yeah, I mean, and that as you said, the line and the over-under are indicative of that. Three and 47 and a half tells me Vegas doesn't know what the hell they're there to think and i don't know what the hell to think this is definitely a stay away game folks if you're a fan go for it but it's a stay away game you know i think we're gonna call them my houston texans at this point because i've just defended them over and over for no reason um i like them to win this game actually i think philip rivers and the chargers and i'm not gonna put it all on philip rivers but philip rivers and the chargers just find ways to lose games that they shouldn't where they're up 14 and 10 points in the third quarter. And it just doesn't make sense. And the last guy you want to do that to, well, probably Mahomes are brave, but one of the last guys you want to do that to is Deshaun Watson, as we saw in week one. Uh, so I actually, I would take the points if I'm going to do it, I'm going to take Houston to win the game outright, which is kind of going out on a limb. Uh, but uh, what's the safety? I'm, I'm blanking. Uh, J- Derwin James. Mm-hmm. Derwin James, Florida State kid. Dude, that's a big deal. Cause I just man crushed on Minka Fitzpatrick for a while. Um, I believe Jalen Ramsey is the, most important or the best DB in the league, Derwin James, another, you know, another Florida state safety right there, man. Like he is, I I would Eric Berry and Earl Thomas were kind of the last, last guys to come through. Like the next guy on that list, like the next name you're going to know if he stays healthy as a household safety name is Derwin James. Cause that guy can do everything. And he just, his football IQ is off the charts. He, he, if you talk and listen to GMs, he was, pretty widely agreed upon the best player in the best draft player, that doesn't always come to light on where you're picked but there are plenty of teams that understood uh, the importance of him but yeah I don't have a lot on this game it's going to be one that I'll probably go back and watch after the fact I don't want to watch it live and uh, look at what's going on play to play but I, I want to look at the whole picture need to see where both teams are at you know Philip Rivers is a professional but I hate Anthony Lynn we're one of the worst coaches in the NFL. If Rivers wasn't on that team, he wouldn't have a job. Uh, Bill O'Brien, J-Mac, and I both hate him for the start. So, <laughs> Honestly, um, I hate him, too. I'm just yeah. defending the roster. Yeah, I, I just have a tough time ever putting money on bad coaches because, God, yeah. they just come back to bite you in the worst spots. And so this is a game I, I hope both of them – Stay away. Yep. They just try to fumble it away. They're, they're all going to mess it up. They're going to waste timeouts. They're going to put stupid penalties out there to have bad challenges. Someone's going to challenge a pass interference call or they want to run play or something stupid. It's just a game I have no interest in necessarily putting money on, but it's a game that you need to watch as a fan. And, you know, monitor Melvin Gordon. They said he's coming back. Um, I'm not a huge Austin Eckler guy. He just can't play week to week and carry that load. So at some point, Justin Jackson's going to get a look if Melvin Gordon's not back. I agree with that. I'm picking against the Texans simply because why not? Um, I, but I, I agree with you guys both wholeheartedly. There, I would not put my money where my mouth is on this game. Not even I wouldn't even think about it because, to Jason's point, bad coaches do stupid shit at the worst times, especially coaches that look like John C. Riley. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> if 
if there's anything, I think there is an opportunity for points for the reasons that we mentioned. Uh, Derwin James being out should open up Will Fuller down the, down the middle yes. for for Houston as well as Kenny Stills. Um, I'm not sold on this Texans defense. I, I think if you can slow down J.J. Watt, who's been very easily slowed down so far, recently, you're, you're probably going to be able to move the ball. So uh, it's a game probably Keenan Allen should have an okay time getting open in. Just a game that may just squeak. I mean, if it's 28-21, I wouldn't be shocked or 28-20 type of score, but I, I don't want any part of either team. Well, from two teams that have injuries to another team battling some serious injuries, the New Orleans Saints head on the road with Teddy Bridgewater to Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks are a four-and-a-half-point favorite with an over-under of 45, which is always an odd number. Um J-Mac, I'll start with you. Teddy Bridgewater coming in didn't, you know, overwhelm anyone last week. What's your concerns with the Saints over the next six to eight weeks? So this is a great example of why you spend a little bit more on a backup quarterback because they're in the exact same situation they're in. We did a live stream last week where we watched the Saints-Rams game and the Saints just got stomped. Teddy did all he could, but I mean, they really just, they couldn't handle it. And I don't trust Teddy to, to handle that right now until I've seen more from him. I like Teddy Bridgewater a lot. He got absolutely murdered in, in Minnesota, unfortunately, and it really cost him some time and a lot of development stuff here. I trust West Russell Wilson here, though, with the with the Pete Carroll stuff. I, I know we're none of us are big Pete Carroll guys, but I don't think that we can deny that he knows how to coach that team pretty well. And I'm just I'm not picking against the Seahawks in this game. I think that four and a half, uh, depending on what you're looking, is it's probably a pretty good line. And I, I would probably take the Seahawks to cover that. No doubt about it. And I think yeah, the over-unders with 45 is incredibly confusing. Yeah, I, I don't know what I'm – because, I mean, Mason Rudolph actually, you know, didn't look terrible last week, so I don't know what to do with that number. Steelers' pass defense has been atrocious. I think Russell Wilson could have a pretty big game here. Look for Tyler Lockett. They maybe have a couple of big plays. That being said, I, I think I would take the Seahawks here. I don't know if I'm going to play this game. It's a, it's actually four on my book, which is a little bit more enticing than a four and a half. Uh, it's a four at minus 110. But, you know, I just don't see a way that the Seahawks lose this game at home. And maybe that's just old school thinking that, like, this Legion of Boom, this great Seahawks home, home field, maybe I'm still in that mindset. But it's still proven otherwise. I mean, I know they got taken to the wire by freaking the Bengals in the week, week one. I just don't see the Steelers – Given all the stuff going on, James Conner injury, starting Mason Rudolph, uh, Juju's come out a little flat, the secondary being terrible. I don't see them winning this game. Well, we are talking about the Saints at the Seahawks here. Oh, I'm sorry. I was thinking, I thought we were talking about the Steelers. My bad. Uh, Steelers uh, already lost to the Seahawks, so we'll <laughs> we'll uh, we'll forgive the listeners for that. Right. A lot, well, a lot of sim- a lot of similar uh, situations similar though. Quarterback out. Michael Thomas has got a lot of targets, but hasn't really made any big plays. I think this is going to be a challenge for uh, for Kamara, especially because they're going to load that box up with eight people. So that's going to be a challenge, and you really don't have a number two receiver there on New Orleans. So you're not go- you're not going to really, in my opinion, see a lot of uh, a lot of pass yards there. And similar to the Steelers, the Saints of secondary has struggled a little bit to start the season. I mean, we saw them give up some really big plays week one to, to Texans, which is, was inexcusable at the end of the game, especially. Um, and Russell Wilson will, will make you pay for that. Even if he's having one of those like seven, seven for 10 for 83 yards in the third quarter type of game, he'll come out and he'll kill you uh, in, in a quarter or two and, and make you pay for it, especially at home. So uh, 
you know, it's weird because the Seahawks are going to be three and zero, and I feel like people are high on them, but I'm not. Maybe I'm not seeing it or vibing it as much. I just don't see them as really a contender in my eyes. Yeah, I, I, I'm not big on Seattle. If you look at pro football focus, they've graded out pretty horrendous on defense. Uh, Bobby Wagner's they're graded out their best player, which he should. But, uh, but kind of one of the reasons I do like New Orleans here is Bobby Wagner can't cover anyone. I mean, he's one of the elite pass rushers, but in coverage, he's below average consistently year after year. And he's going to have to cover Kamara in the open field. And Sean Payton is one of the best schemers. Just because Drew Brees is out doesn't mean that he can't scheme. And as you brought up the Legion of Boom, that is far gone. There is no one left there. Shaquille Griffin is not the Legion of Boom. He is one of the worst graded out safe or cornerbacks as well. So uh, Teddy Bridgewater cannot throw the ball downfield. He didn't in college. He didn't with Minnesota. That's not what they're going to ask him to do here. They're going to ask him to get it to Kamara. Jared Cook's going to have a nice game. Michael Thomas can play in the slot. He did a lot in earlier in his career. They should shift need him. To. They're going to shift him in there. Um, and also, last week, I just don't hang my hat on a lot of what we saw from Teddy because they were so far behind. He put together a couple drives that got negated by holding call after holding call after false start. I mean, when you're in, like, first and 50, what the hell else are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, that was so, crazy. And he's not expecting to play that game. So, I mean, yeah. when you can game uh, watch tape and, and become in warm, it's a big difference. Yeah. So, this is a guy that's been in the Saints system. The team's very comfortable with them. Uh, they stayed on the West Coast. They didn't fly back to New Orleans, which I always think is big. It's something that's pro- usually not talked about till game time. Um, but if you do your reading, they did stay on the West Coast. They left Breeze in L.A. The understudy wasn't going to be there this week. This team understands that he is coming back this year, and this is a very winnable game that they need to do for the playoffs moving forward. So um, four and a half to me seems like an absolute gift. Um, If you, you know, Seattle probably does have more of a home field advantage than most teams, um, but I think the O-line will be much better performance. Again, uh, Bobby Wagner to me is extremely overrated. He's a below average tackler in the open space. I with the way Seattle sets it up, they're going to want to shorten the game. New Orleans is going to want to shorten the game. I think it's a nice spot for Latavius Murray to get into. I think we could see a couple double double running back sets with Kamara going out for passes, kind of what we saw more with Ingram. So I'm extremely excited for this game, and I think New Orleans is an absolute gift at four and a half. And really? you mentioned some teasers, getting them through the 10, 10 and a half, 11 range yeah, that's is good. something that's very intriguing to me. Seattle beat the Bengals by one point at home and almost <laughs> lost to a backup um, from the Steelers after being gifted everything in that game. I mean, they were starting every possession at the 50-yard line. Ben was throwing picks from his elbow. So I am I have yet to be impressed with this team. Pro football focus has yet to be impressed with this team on their ratings. Sometimes, you know, win and losses are not made equal. I'm right. all over the Saints in this game. Yeah, I'm uh, complete opposite on you. So we'll see how this goes. I've picked the Seahawks. Yeah, I think they're just going to have a hard time getting into the end zone. I see a lot of field goals. Yeah, Could definitely. be a field goal fest. Well, Sunday night football game that should hopefully make us all perk up. Los Angeles Rams head on the highway to balmy Cleveland as the Browns are a three-point dog at home with an over-under that's been buried down to 49.5 from their opening at 53. I'm going to start there. I'm pretty confused on this over-under. Um, I thought even 53 was a gift. Brown's defense outside of Miles Garrett has been less than impressive. 
and the Rams defense was has been less than impressive. And I think they're getting probably too much kudos for last week's performance. But um, what are you looking here, J-Mac? Because I feel like this is a game that should be a shootout, right? It should be, yes. I, I think that line is very confusing when it comes to the over-under. Give me the Rams and lay the points all day long in this game. The Rams look incredible so far. The receiving core looks much better. Ray Woods has taken a great step forward. Cooper Cup looks great. We kind of had some concerns about him coming back just given the injury and just, you know, taking some time to get into the offense. Jared Goff's not looked great for the first like game, but he really stepped into his own in the in the game against the Saints last week. And I think he'll continue to take that step. Uh, to your point, I also don't trust this Cleveland defense in any way, shape, or form outside of Miles Garrett. I like Miles Garrett a lot. I, I just I don't think that they're going to be able to hold this Rams team because I don't think many teams are going to be able to at the end of the season when it comes right down to it. And the other thing about this on the offensive side for Cleveland is, I, I mean, they took care of business this past week. That Jets team stinks, though. Trevor Simeon was bad, got hurt. Etc. 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 You got Sam Darnold out with Motto. I mean, a, a litany of things happening with the Jets. I just don't think that was a very impressive win for Cleveland. It was a must-win for Cleveland because they could not start 0-2 in the hole. But they definitely should have. I mean, decent teams should take care of 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 games like that, especially teams that are as bad as the Jets. So to me, this is a really, really easy Rams cover. It really is. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Um, it's the Rams and the Browns, right? Let me make sure I got my shit together. Okay, yep. good. Uh, yep. So the Rams are a three-point favorite. I can't wrap my head around that at all. Uh, the over-under is is a little questionable as well. I feel pretty good about – I'd like to see what the Rams team total is. I'd probably go over on that. But I'm laying the points for the Rams all day. Uh, to to uh, J-Max point there, when we were doing the live stream, I was kind of ragging on golf for the first uh, six quarters of play or, so, or five and a half quarters of play this season. And – he really came into his own and had some had some dimes and put the ball in the right place because he's got he's got Woods he's got Cup he's got Cooks we know the story he's got the athletes to uh, to make plays for him. We didn't learn anything about Cleveland Monday night, in my opinion. That Jets team is so bad. It it, it was to me just watching the DBs once again when Odell caught that pass. It's like you could when they lined up. I was like, okay, they got one safety high and he's thirty yards back. And Odell's going to run a slant in front of this guy who's sagging off, and he's just going to be – no safety in a one-on-one has a chance against Odell, but that guy got turned around on that play. I mean, it was awful. Uh, and I love Jamal Adams, actually. Jamal Adams, DFW kid, great player on the Jets, just in a bad situation. But we didn't learn anything about Cleveland at all, in my opinion. To me, they're still riding this hype a little bit. I think this is going to be an 8-8 eight and eight team probably at best. Uh, I'm all over the Rams here. Yeah, it's an interesting game. I think to you guys' point, I'm not big on what we saw from Cleveland. And you mentioned that OBJ play. You know, if you look at the play, Baker actually missed when he was supposed to throw it to him. He missed him when he first made the cut. It kind of late. late, late. It, it, so it's things like that that won't fly versus the Rams. Um, you know, the Jets couldn't convert in the red zone, turned it over in four downs, and then had Le'Veon Bell fumble. That game could have been a lot. You know, it, it could have been 24 almost 17 type of deal you know why didn't they put this away it was ridiculous so you know I am a big Freddie Kitchens fan but he's kind of going through that rookie year head coach it's tough to navigate um I've been really concerned about what I've seen from Baker Mayfield so far and the offensive line's a big struggle I mean three of their top five pass blockers are not offensive linemen they're tight ends and running backs and they lost David Njuku to a broken wrist um I think that's a bigger loss than maybe folks are 
going to give it credit for, which is fine. Um, but I am kind of concerned about where the offense will come from if Aaron Donald's eating them up in the inside. I, I do like J.C. Treader. He's a pretty good center. Um, him and Baker do have a, a, a nice relationship. I, I think he can help with Aaron Donald. Uh, but I am interested to see what ba- what the game plan is because Baker's got to get back to the quick hitters, the up-tempo, and, and you're going to have to chase the Rams. Sean McVay is head and arms above what Freddie Kitchens game plan on. So I agree with you guys. The three is almost confusing, but I get it. If, if you flip this back, if the Rams were at home, you'd be looking at the Rams as a minus nine favorite. Then I'd be kind of intrigued with you know the Browns. So I, I kind of feel like the line may be even a little bit more inflated. It opened up at minus one and a half, minus two, got pushed out. That's probably the right number, but you're kind of paying for perception. But I just think on a short week, you're traveling back home. I just don't think this is the week you get things fixed, especially when you're replacing a starter at tight end. I I'm just I got to lean Rams here, but man, I really think this is a situation where points will rain down as long as the Browns are able to kind of contain uh, the pass rush of what we saw with the Rams. And Aaron Donald did get banged up last game, so maybe there's a lingering injury that could help him out. Did they travel back to the West Coast? They stayed in New Orleans, didn't they? They did. They did. They did. So you've got that going a little bit as well. So I think that is a a positive of the sense um, of the travel schedule. So – I, I don't know. I, I'm interested in this game. The line tells you the Rams should certainly go out there, and I just – I the, the Browns defense could really have to step up. That's all I'm going to say. Yep. I agree with that. Well, well, we got one last part to wrap up. We've got some best bets. Kyle, you mentioned a handful. Uh, college football, where are you leaning? It's college. There's a lot of good plays this week. I'm gonna lean. I'm gonna stay in the uh, Dallas Fort Worth area where you gentlemen are located, and I'm gonna take TCU Horn Frogs to just beat the living piss out of SMU. This is a nine and a half point spread. I can't wrap my head around this. Um, you might see it at ten. I mean, it, it doesn't make sense. Uh, TCU's got a couple of injuries. They're still trying to figure out their starting quarterback situation. That being said. SMU does not have nearly as much talent. They're not as well coached by any means, and they have no home field or, you know, advantage in that area. There's going to be more TCU fans there. Um, I don't understand that line whatsoever. Okay. I, I would politely, I'm not disagreeing, but Shane Bouchelle, the transfer from UT, is starting at quarterback for SMU. A yes. team perception-wise, it's easy to go, hey, they're as bad as last year. They did a lot of what we've talked about in college football. They hit that transfer portal hard. They hit the JUCO levels hard. Uh, it's a team that is a little bit better built. Um, I, I think the line's right. I think it's we're going to see probably around a one one touchdown game. I'm not going either way, but I, I see where you're coming from. Um, Dude, I don't I mean, ha- my only argument there real quick would be, like, SMU gave up 27 points to North Texas. They gave up 17 points to my Texas State Bobcats. I mean, this is just not a team that I have any any faith in to be able to stop a nosebleed on TCU. And Shane Bouchelle threw two picks against the Bobcats. He's throwing three against TCU. Uh, That's fair. I'm going to be honest. I don't have anything I've locked in with college football quite yet. Uh, I'll encourage you guys. I will post that on Sensibly Loud's Twitter page. So we do go ahead and post the podcast there. Look in the comments. Uh, if you guys have questions, I'm at JB Media SLM. You can always ask us there. Uh, you know, 4 0 in college football with an outright dog. So you certainly want to take a look there. But I don't have anything yet. And, and I do value guys' listening chip. 
I don't want to give you something I haven't personally bet either. So I'm going to reserve that till we have. Uh, we'll move to the NFL. Kyle, where are you looking for NFL? So we already touched on this one. I'm in love with the over on Kansas City, Baltimore. Whether you get it at 52 and a half, 53, 53 and a half, wherever you're at, I'm way over that. Over that. Uh, NFL wise, probably a little bit off the wall here. Uh, a team that I've, uh, I would say, pissed down their legs plenty. Going to the Detroit Lions this week. Um, wow. wow. I like I'm, it. I'm buying up to the seven. It was seven's been widely available. If you're listening to this now, it's probably not, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, maybe a line you can wait on. But you know, you're talking about the Eagles starting JJ Arcia Whiteside, kid out of Stanford, true rookie at wide receiver. Um, they have another rookie, Miles Sanders at running back. Team that's really banged up. I'm not convinced on what they they have healthy right now. So um, I think getting plus seven. I like what we've seen out of Matthew Stafford. He's throwing the ball downfield a lot more successfully this year, which has been very encouraging with Kenny Galladay. You saw what Atlanta could do to them downfield. I think asking two touchdown scores from Philly with the injuries right now is a lot. I think it's a great pick. very bullish on what we're going to get from this game. I think it's going to be one possession the whole way. I love the lines this week at plus seven. I love that one-two combo of CJ Anderson and carry on Johnson or carry on Johnson and CJ Anderson. It's, it's looking good. And, the great thing about that line is if Philly comes out with no Alshon, no Deshaun, and they look flat, is they're just going to start getting booed immediately, and that just bodes well in your favor when you're getting a touchdown. That's true. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if this was like a 2017 type of game. I, yep. I, I just – I really like – the line's overinflated for the amount of players that they're going to have out. Um, I like that. We will continue to post Wait, on hey, Twitter if we hey. have anything else. You know, I want to go to J Max Corner if okay. he's got anything else for us. Yeah, I've got NFL picks just like you do, pal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Damn. okay. I didn't know you want to get in on the part. He's one and oh. He's one and oh. He doesn't want to lose it. I am. I'm giving out one more uh one more good one here. It's actually the same thing as last last week. I'm not gonna touch the spread on this. Take San Francisco in the money line. That's easy money. I don't believe in this Pittsburgh team at all. You guys uh, I haven't like looked minus, at it specifically, but I, minus two fifty somewhere in that range, probably something like that. Don't I, I, typically I won't bet on that because that's not anywhere close to enough juice. But come on, like it's it's a no brainer money line. It moved it moved from minus one at the open to minus six and a half to San Francisco's favor. Obviously, and, that has a lot to do with Roethlisberger being out and everything. Take the money line there. And if you're trying to get you know close to even money, maybe look at doing that with a uh, with a Kansas City or another team you're really confident in. I love um, I'm going to keep the dogs barking another week in a row. Um, I'm not doing this as an official pick. I'm just saying if you're looking for an underdog, um, I would. I almost have the audacity to parlay money line. They're both underdogs. You're getting plus on Jacksonville and Atlanta. Okay. I don't. I don't trust Tennessee at all. I think Atlanta is actually starting to be a team I can maybe trust. As JB once told me, "Hungry dogs got to eat." I think that's yep. what you're going. With. I- and if you weren't listening to the show earlier, you just scrolled here for the picks, which we'd understand uh, all over Michigan is my dog of the week. That is, and I think J yep. Mac and I are going to double down on that together. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But We're going down with that shit. Michigan Wolverine. But you're still going to have, just to be clear for our, our, our seven and one record here, you're going to have an official uh, college yeah. football pick you're going to put out on Twitter. Same. Uh, but for, for NFL, you're rolling with the Lions. NFL roll with the Lions, underdog of the week, Michigan Wolverines. J-Mac, tell our listeners where they can find that pick this weekend. Absolutely. Well, we, we want to thank everyone for joining us, first of all. Make sure to find those picks. That is on Twitter at Sensibly Loud. 
And make sure to check out the website, simplyloud.com, for all your latest blogs, pods, and more. We've got a lot of great stuff out there. We also want to hear from you guys. Please give us a call. That number is 972-885-9361. Leave us a voicemail. Let us know what you want to hear about. Let us know if you have other picks, anything like that. We want to hear from the fans. So we will be back next week with another edition of PC. And following that, we'll do some more live streams with football as we get through the year. So be looking for that as well on our YouTube channel at Sensibly Loud Media. We'll see you guys next week.